After I arrived in the Far East of Russia in August of 2019, I observed a number of things that I thought would be worthy of a podcast. Like the fact that milk in pouches is way more popular than milk in bottles here. That eggs come in packages of 10. And that Japanese instant coffee is almost as good as most of the coffee people drink in the United States. But instead, this is about the unconventional work I had to do to break through to my wife, in spite of pressure by her abusive parents and my closest friends, to put control over our son's life in the hands of her parents. If you don't know, then you should know that you should know that you don't know. And then you should know that like how you're being interpreted is hard for you to predict for some reason how you're being interpreted. So one ship is good and another ship is in trouble. So uh, Captain Delano sees the ship in trouble and decides to go in and help them. There shouldn't be any pressure from the parents, so that uh, from her parents uh, towards you and towards the, your relationship, and all, all the meetings should not include them. It should be just yeah, her, you, and the kids. It's also a problem. Mm -hmm. Also a problem. Do you have a pretty good handle on like this stuff that's happening with um, with Tiffany right now? It's, it seems like she's she's really really pissed. I mean, I know you're both pissed in your own way, but I don't think I've ever seen her this angry at another person. Okay, so this deal uh, was about you being able to meet the child and that was actually agreeing to all of these things in the terms and letting you the, uh, see the kid, so... Okay. I don't know if you... I don't know, like, how, how what the ripples are of, of the stuff you're going through on other people or on relationships, generally. I, I don't... I mean, I, I think everyone can speak for themselves here, so I don't really need to speak for for Tiffany. I, I mean, I think the most important thing is either that you understand that you you understand, or that you understand what you don't understand. This is episode four of Russia Lost. By the time we got to early December in Russia, we had been through what I would identify as five different family abductions by my wife's parents, with my wife as an accomplice. They'd lied to the police. They'd threatened to go to court to take custody away from me, and even to never let me see my son again. I'd lost my closest friend back home. Things were going to get worse. I had no choice but to go to the authorities that I had available to me. I wrote a letter to the local Komsomolsk Memoria Child Custody Office. I translated it all using Google Translate. I sent it in on December 12th. In the letter to the custody office, I actually didn't name Daria. Um, I just said vaguely where she lived and mentioned that her and her sister had um, the deed to the house and that she lived there with her parents. And I just laid out that I want to make peace with my wife. I don't want to get divorced. I pointed out that Daria did not take any legal action in relation to divorce pointed out that it's in her best interest to return to the U.S., where she 
can get better medical treatment, where she, where she has experience with the doctors. I pointed out that Daria's parents had a history of psychological disorders. I pointed out the history with her mom and her father's uh, depression, basically um, reclusive behavior. I said that she's responding to emotional pressure, and I asked if they would work with me. I apologized for not contacting them earlier, and I laid out the basic dates in terms of when I had last seen my son and how long it had been. I mentioned the police calls as well and also the reconciliation over Thanksgiving. I had drastically altered my approach to Daria. I was no longer trying to hold her accountable or to make accusations about her behavior relative to me seeing Enki. I was blaming her parents and I had sent her mother a number of messages making it clear my feelings about what was going on, that I felt that they were responsible, and that these were child abductions. This was wrong. It really wasn't that I had um, given up on communicating with Daria's parents. I didn't want to negotiate my relationship with Daria and my son with Svetlana, but I had continued to try to communicate in, in a way. I tried calling, and then I sent a message, why won't you answer? And she said, because I don't speak the English language. And this seemed to be uh, a reference to an earlier message I'd sent in English to her in the thread. And so at this point, I was using Google Translate, so I was writing in Russian, and I said, you know, I don't mean the message from months ago, I mean my phone calls. I've called you so many times, you know, and I asked, how's my son? She said, Enki's fine. He runs and he plays, in Russian. And I said, I know. I taught him to run and play. I understand that he knows how to do that. If you really appreciated what I'd done teaching my son everything that he knows, if you really appreciated the work I'd done in being a father to my son, if you really appreciated my handiwork, I guess, is what I tried to translate in Google, if I remember, then maybe you could describe it a little bit better and tell me a little bit more about what's actually going on. And she said, now it's nighttime. I'll talk to you in the daytime. And I asked, uh, why don't you answer my phone calls? So when it became daytime, I said, it's daytime. Why can't you answer me? I thought you were going to buy me a coat. And I started sending some materials about parental alienation in Russian that I'd managed to find. She said, Jason, forgive me. I don't want to meddle in these affairs. I said, I'm listening. Say more. She said, your wife makes her own decisions. What's your goal? And I said, is that all you have to say? She said, Jason, excuse me. I don't have time to talk right now. I have to work. And I said, okay, if you don't have anything else to say to me now, when I come over to see my son and my wife, I don't expect to have any conversations with you or your husband. <coughs> that was on December 14th after I'd sent a letter to the custody office. And after that, I only mm, sent more links to materials in Russian about parental alienation, and I never heard another text from her. It wasn't until I went over there that I actually heard anything more from her. It was in person, because I did go over there again. When I read about Stockholm Syndrome, how to help a person with Stockholm Syndrome who is living with an abuser or an abusive family who is controlling their contact with the outside world, one of the recommendations was to not go it alone, but instead to look for help from other friends who could stand up for you and make points of entry into the other person's mindset. This was what I really needed Tiffany for in December. But instead, Tiffany kept on blaming me. She kept on trying to fix me. Around the same time that I was 
writing a letter to the local child custody office. I was also trying to send details of Daria's erratic behavior and what was going on. She was sending me documents to sign over the rights of her film to her. And as I finally seemed to be getting help or finding someone who was going to be willing to help me in Russia or able to help me, that was when Tiffany really showed what she, she had not suddenly turned and changed uh, her attitude towards Daria and me. I kept sending her snippets of materials about manipulativeness, parental alienation, other um, characterizations of personality traits and potentially disorders. She replied, Tiffany replied, it's hard to tell with these things. I said, why? What is hard to tell? She said, it's like confirmation bias with the internet. Things sound like they fit in, like when it comes to looking up diseases and trying to self-diagnose, if this is them. I pointed out that they've also repeatedly committed obstruction of justice by calling the police and lying on December 2nd and previously on November 7th. Who has, she said. I said, making false statements to police, her and her parents. Ah, I told her, I need to lodge a formal complaint with the appropriate authorities here. Then if that goes nowhere, I guess I'll try to publicize my case, if she doesn't change her mind. What happened to the letter you were sending out to everyone? Is that what you mean by publicize? I told her I've written ten letters, I've written a memoir about Daria, a podcast. She replied, I still think that being contrite is what will change her mind. Even if it's her parents that are doing this, it's what matters to her. Me being contrite, I said, for what? I already apologized for everything I possibly could, and I sent... Tiffany, um, a letter that I had written partially inspired by her, you know, in, in looking at the past and saying again how I wanted to change. She replied, telling her you're not drinking. Well, it's not going to happen overnight, obviously. And I replied, I said, Daria literally never complained to me about drinking. Have to take steps that are demonstrable. Daria had been over. She had seen the fact that I wasn't taking drinks for three or four days in a row. She hadn't even noticed. This was not actually a major issue for Daria. This was something that she played to in Tiffany and some of the other Worcester people who were concerned to have people not drinking um, except on special occasions. And this had become something, a pivotal, uh, critical point. She did to me, she complained to Tiffany, obviously, which I knew. She did to me. She didn't want you to get angry at her if she brought it up. You can believe it or not, but that's the case. And I said, just because she complained the most doesn't mean I was the abusive one. And this was where I sent a snippet from another article I had sent about Stockholm Syndrome. Many severe cases of parental alienation will include a team of people, helpers, or psychologists who become trauma-bonded to the abusive parent. This causes behaviors which are consistent with Stockholm Syndrome in the professionals, the psychologists, or the team of educated friends in which the abusive parent, who is clearly, obviously behaving in an abusive way, is excused for the harm done. And the abused parent, in this case me, essentially, is seen as the one who must change. What triggers this is usually the power which is wielded by an abusive parent against a weak professional or a friend with poor psychological understanding who is unskilled in the area. I've seen this happen repeatedly in social work teams with social workers who are absolutely unaware that they have become bonded to the abusive parent, but who will seek to placate that abusive parent at length whilst attempting to fix the abused parent. These are unaware professionals. But I thought that this also, this 
quick snippet that I was trying to explain here. I would totally apply to, to Tiffany and um, also to Holmes and friends in Worcester who saw therapists on a regular basis and who felt like I was starting to understand, felt like they were helping us by helping Daria come to Russia where she could get an advantage. And I asked, you know, if she had read it. Tiffany replied to that snippet, she talked about this before Russia. I said, look, you're trauma bonded to the abusive parent. Daria talked an amazing amount of shit. Yeah, I know. So what? Okay. You just said she never said anything to you about drinking. So I am just telling you, but apparently that point is missed. Whether or not she cares about drinking, which was the initial question. And I said she used that as a way to turn you against me instead of working proactively. I'm just saying whether or not telling her you're not drinking matters to her. I said it was in the letter from my mom. She knows. I don't think it matters to her. Actually, that is one less thing she can use against me. It didn't come from you in the letter from your mom. Who knows if it's true? Anyway, we are talking about that. So let's not try to spin out into other conversations, okay? And then I mentioned she was here for four days. I didn't touch a beer. She didn't say a word. How could she say something about that, though, honestly? I said, she hadn't seen me go that long in quite a while. You aren't drinking. Wow, she can't say that. You don't want someone to get mad at you or stop. Stop not drinking. Well, to be fair, it's hard to argue with you. Or when she does push back, it doesn't go well. It didn't go well. You're more intellectual than her. She doesn't have the same debate skills. And I said, I insisted. The other thing is... Daria chose shit-talking over problem-solving. But, like, you said you were right, so what problem-solving is there? I said, you can always elide, exaggerate, and evade so that you're always right. You wouldn't hear it if she had an issue with drinking, like you said. I said she did a lot of things that made her seem immune to criticism. Tiffany replied, Just talking about whether or not it's possible to even get anywhere with trying to fix something. You're saying no because you were right though, right? And I said a lot of things at that point, just describing, you know, how Zara had been obviously manipulative, but on the other hand, that she was acting against her own best interests. And I was trying to get Tiffany to think in terms of Daria's own best interests and step in and be part of a, a grapevine or a group of friends to build that impression that Daria would be better off going back to the U.S., which was true. And Tiffany replied, she does know that it's better care in the U.S., but she feels she would be alone, essentially. To which I replied, that's why I'm talking to you, to try to get you to voice some support so that she won't feel so alone going back. Family is different than friends, as you know. But yeah, she's talked about trying to move out from her parents at some point. No one besides your parents would let you live with them for that long. Family gives support. And I said, she's going to be raising two kids with her obese, elderly, abusive parents. Yeah, it's going to be so hard. And I sent her some materials about, again, I think that I'd sent before about how abusive parents ignore healthy boundaries, don't let children express negative emotions, and so on. At this point, she kind of dropped out of communication for about two days until December 12th. At which point I had sent the communication to the custody office. <clears throat> she finally came in after I said, you know, I kept sending messages. The last thing I had sent was, everyone has been attempting to fix the abused parent. You still are. Her reply, I think figuring out how you can see Enki in a way that works is totally doable. There has to be a friend 
to bring along, or else it's her parents, and that will just have to be the way it is. I made the suggestion, and I told her <laughs> we'd kind of already been through that back in November. Uh, when I was talking to Natasha, these kind of issues came up to, to have this first reunion after the breakup. So to have the idea that we need supervision for a meeting now was, to me, a, a major step backward. And I pointed out, what you are proposing is actually not legal. And I asked her, why couldn't you talk to me before you would go to her with a suggestion like that? And and plus, meeting with a friend is a single meeting solution. That's not a real solution in the long term. That's like to meet up and show me that he's still alive or he's still unharmed, which was not actually true. And I went on and said that if you want to participate effectively, you need to inform yourself about how Daria behaves when it's only around me and the kid. And I asked her, please talk to my sister as well. And after that, I didn't get anything for about nine days from December 12th until December 21st. And it's probably good to just wrap up what was said. Did Sarah, your sister, talk to her? This is hard and I'm sorry it's happening. Things will work out and the kids will have their own lives and be close to both of you. But to get there, I can only see how you got here, starting with the beginning of your relationship to Worcester and now Russia. I know you took care of them on one level, but on another you didn't. There are consequences to being mean and controlling and not acknowledging the reality of your different roles, power, and abuse. And this is what it is. You can get help for whatever you may be feeling, therapy, counseling, health, exercise, and once you feel better in yourself, you may be able to care for someone else, and it will be better for you on the other end. But this is hard, and I know you hate me for saying these things, so I'm sorry. She does love you, but yes, things are going to have drastically changed between you two, regardless of her parents. Who am I to say any of this? I don't know, but you asked me to be a part of this, and I don't see any other real way to help. Naturally, I replied that I think that she's been manipulated, that I didn't hate her, and I asked her what reliable information she actually had that she's presuming to help. Enforcing consequences by depriving me of my right to participate in my child's upbringing for weeks at a time is child abuse. Tiffany's reply, maybe you can find a way for you to spend time with him in a way that works for custody. It didn't even make sense. And I said, it's too late to take back the fact that Daria's abusive behavior over the last two months requires serious intervention for the sake of the child. And I pointed out that I had only really asked Tiffany to convey to Daria that Tiffany would understand and support Daria if she chose to leave her abusive, manipulative parents to come back to the U.S. And Tiffany said, yes, she knows that. I told her that. And that was basically the last substantive interaction I had with her. It was on December 21st, and a few days later, I would have a couple short messages coming back from her, and I'll talk about that. But really, that was it. That was essentially the end of my relationship with artistic collaborator. Our families knew each other. She'd been, I thought, my wife's best friend. The person who would call me her oldest friend. That's how she ended our relationship. Or that's at least how she chose or planned to end our relationship. I kept things going that I'll talk about later. December was when I needed Tiffany the most. If I had had her support with Daria in December, I truly believe that we could have avoided going into the custody office to get Daria out of her parents' house. We could have avoided that. I really believe that, and we could have gotten back to the United States in December before the holidays, and everything would have been different. Looking back now from 
multiple months in the future, it's impossible to say whether the fact that we didn't get back to the United States in December was a good or bad thing, or or the fact that we didn't get back to the United States in January, which also, I think, would have been way more likely if I had gotten Tiffany's honest support and participation instead of what she actually did. But, nonetheless, this was a choice that we should have had the support of our friends in order to be able to make, and we didn't. When I was at evening worship on December 13th, the day after, I sent an email to the custody office in Komsomolsk Memoria. I got a reply when I stepped outside to look at my phone. I couldn't read it. <laughs> I didn't know what it said. I used Translate, but it didn't really make much sense. When I got a better look at it, I found out that what they were asking for was more information about how to contact Daria. I took some time to think about what it would mean to put the local Russian authority who protect the mother in virtually every scenario and protect the mother's family. I thought a lot about what it would mean to go further and to put them in touch with Daria. I thought about it. I sent a message to Daria implying that something was going on. And eventually, I did give them Daria's contact information. In my materials on Stockholm Syndrome that I had researched, one surprising event that I read often occurs with mothers who have Stockholm Syndrome relative to abusive partners or parents is that when the child is eventually taken away, the mothers are actually relieved because now the child is free from the bondage that um, the mother is suffering and the child is free from, you know, all of the negative impact, the fighting and the exposure to abuse and mental violence or physical violence. As it was revealed and as Daria was forced to talk to the people at the custody office, I didn't exactly know what was happening. I was still getting just a sparse number of texts, but what I felt was that that was what was happening. This was actually a relief that some authority was finally stepping in, like the Stockholm Syndrome descriptions of a mother relieved to finally have someone stepping in, on behalf of the child at least, even if she's re in a way rejecting help and in denial on behalf of her own needs. Earlier on, I played a bunch of audio that had come from when Dara and I first started traveling together back in the summer of 2017. One thing that I hadn't played was some audio of Daria where she's explaining to me a story that I read to her while we were hanging out uh, in Northern California on the coast at these campgrounds. One of the few books that I had with me at the time after I lost a lot of my books. One that I still had was a Dover Editions, Herman Melville, two short stories or two long stories, short novels, Bartleby, and that came with Benito Sereno. And the first one I read to her was Bartleby down on the beach, which is just north of Fort Bragg. And then we drove up. We stopped in Arcata at a hotel. Then we drove up to this town up in the woods called Willow Creek. It has all these associations with Bigfoot. There's a statue of something like Bigfoot in town. Um, it's, wait, is it? There's a big statue in town. It could be Bigfoot. And while we were there, I read to her Benita Sereno. And I had to kind of adapt it and explain a lot and kind of abridge the story as I read it to her, because it's hard even for probably most English speakers to get through that book. I love that book. I read it right after I read Moby Dick. If anybody has the opportunity to read Moby Dick and then read Benito Sereno, it's the perfect combination because Moby Dick just puts you in the mood. 
And then um, Benito Sereno, which is the scariest, most mysterious story ever. But it all, the whole story of Benito Sereno hinges on the character Benito and whether or not, um, on what's wrong with him. The, the reader is just trying to figure out the whole time what's actually wrong with Don Benito. He's the captain of this ship, which is in trouble, and another captain gets on. And so Daria, I had Daria explain it to me at the time. This is how it went. It's so hard to get sometimes when I miss like important part of like who started speaking and then I, I hear everything else and I can get like who said all that or was it like someone thinking out loud or... Anyway, there's some stuff I, I don't get but it's mm -hmm. pretty interesting. Yeah, I'm intrigued. What, what? happens What happens next with Don Benito and everything and uh, I guess the Captain Delano's guys didn't haven't been back yet so he's like alone and feel like trapped and like a little threatened maybe but trying to not to show that so this is what I think so far but let's see what happens next <laughs> I don't know so what happened I mean so what's uh, I mean basically can I just resume the whole story? Yes, please. So basically, you know, there's like two ships, two ships and two captains. Mm -hmm. One ship is the Captain Delano's ship mm -hmm. and the other one is Benito Serena's ship. Mm -hmm. So one ship is good and another ship, ship is in trouble. So uh, Captain Delano sees the ship in trouble and decides to go in and help them. And there's a whole story that happens uh, while he is on board of the other ship. So, yeah, so he goes, he stays on board of the ship in trouble. And um, while his men are, are bringing some supplies to the ship, uh, he's uh, trying to figure out what's, what's going on there. And uh, he can't till you know pretty much the last moments he's being confused the whole time and uh, he's going back and forth on like are they trying to kill me and you know got everything my got my ship and everything we've got or they're actually good people and they actually need help and he's like in between the those thoughts the whole time during the whole book and their reader doesn't know either because you can't figure out there are signs of both theories both theories can be proved right about what don benito is up to right about what's going on on the ship yeah and uh, what's don benito is doing is he a good man is he a bad man what's going on so yeah so till the last second we don't we don't know we don't know till the moment that captain delano is about to leave and uh, then we find out what actually was going on. Okay.
not that Dario's behavior really matches to what happens in the Benito Sereno story with Benito, but in many ways, um, this feeling of someone not being in control of themselves, being on the other side, this is what Captain Delano in the story experiences. Um, I started to imagine thinking back that I was in a similar position to Delano. And who were the ringleaders? Well, it was Daria's parents, and they were going to prove that when I go over there. I, I started to feel more comfortable with the idea of going over there, and I did go over there. Now that I was basically in contact with the local authorities, the real comparison is that Benito is basically protecting the people who are actually responsible for the mutiny on the ship, and that's Stockholm Syndrome. Same thing with Daria in many ways. Uh, the other people who I started to see as kind of ringleaders in it was actually Tiffany and Holmes. Instead of seeing them as Stockholm Syndrome, when I talked to Holmes, I started to realize that they were actually a big part of planning the whole idea of coming to Russia to get more control. I was going to realize later that she was really protecting Tiffany and Holmes and what they had done to pressure her. So I headed over to Daria's on Thursday this was exactly seven weeks after the November 7th time, uh, November 7th event where the, her parents called the police and they were screaming at me for three hours. And I went over there. Um, I kind of let Daria know that I was going to come over via text. We were exchanging texts sporadically. I was getting a lot of sympathetic responses. I was also getting a lot of defensive, cagey responses. She knew now that the custody office was getting involved. She was in communication with them. What I didn't know is she was actually set to go over there later that day. But I went over there. I got there. I had a speaker with me. Um, when I got there, I saw on the door this sign put up saying, Don't ring the doorbell just knock, the baby's sleeping. So I just started playing my speaker and I rang, uh, I knocked on the door. I did not ring the doorbell. from inside I heard the inner door open I heard somebody come and look and then they closed it and as time went on I was playing music I was kind of I had Enki's little xylophone I was playing some tunes on that as well totally just screaming, screaming like I had never heard him scream in spite of the fact that, you know, he, he yelled a bunch at that time on November 7th, probably telling them, no way, don't let him in. Daria would later tell me they'd had a fight that morning over this whole incident of they had cockroaches and somebody, an exterminator was coming, Daria was going to move out and there had been some fight because Daria rented an Airbnb. Well, anyway, they didn't really want to open that door 
but they were going to have to because the exterminator was coming. So I was out there for quite a while just playing my music and then I was just waiting and then surprisingly the door opened. It was probably an hour into waiting there, the door actually opened. It wasn't really clear to me what they were talking about, and it wasn't clear to me who this woman was. I thought maybe she was some kind of healthcare professional. So I had a bunch of paperwork with me, copies of the letters I'd sent to the custody office, links to some evidence that I'd put up online. I thought this might be an opportunity to reach somebody. I went in and... Svetlana and Anatoly were physically blocking me from going in to see Enki. I was like, I want to get you this information and I want your phone number. Дилья, 
Вам нужно написать. Excuse me, but you need to report this. Понимаю? У человека время идет, это работа. Не поливать надо, тараканов травить. Can I get your contact information, please? Могу ли я получить вашу контактную информацию? Телефон ваш. Не даст, не даст человек. Не Все, пожалуйста. Пожалуйста, пожалуйста, пожалуйста. Пожалуйста. Пожалуйста, выйди. Нам некогда. Нам некогда. Человек сказал, не даст телефон. Я Wow, wow, wow. This is assault. This is assault right now. This is assault. pushed me out of the door, grabbed my arms and pushed me out of the door. At the time, I was confirmed not to do anything and to just allow them to act out. But yeah, it was pretty scary, actually. I wouldn't want to be in a physical confrontation with that woman. I waited outside some more, and then Daria and Anatoly came out uh, carrying suitcases with Enki. And I obviously wanted to know where they were going. <laughs> Baba, where girls? How you doing? Go, go ahead. Still steal it? I jumped on boys. Yeah. I love you. What a great family. Give me a kiss. I'm happy to see you. Yeah, I'm happy to see you. So what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Why don't you come to my house? Later. Later today? Tonight? Yeah. Are you serious? Hi. Yeah. So good. Baba, can I give you a kiss? Mwah! The cutest Bubba in the world right here, boo-boo head. Mwah! Tolia, it's nice to see you. Mwah! Mr. Bubba, we're gonna play later, right?
А давайте? Но если его вон в голову поставить, не знаешь, как его поставить? Не знаю. Давай, садись. Меня подождать идти? Меня подождать? Почему? Подождать такси. Это другое такси. Это другое такси. We got outside and it was cold that day. It was less. It was below zero Fahrenheit during the day. So I was feeding Enki crab crackers, crab flavored crackers that they have in Russia. My hands were really getting frostbite. We ended up waiting out there for a long time. I thought I had everything on tape. I really only got the first maybe 10 minutes while we were waiting out there, but you can hear already. You know, Anatoly threatening to call the police over and over again, being super confrontational. Can you guide it in there? What ended up happening was there were no taxis coming out there. So we were waiting and waiting. The exterminator woman finished and came out and was going to leave already. And Daria was going to get a ride with her. She offered to give us a ride. I got in and then Anatolia was screaming, 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 almost grabbing us to pull us out so that we wouldn't ride together in that van with the exterminator lady. Then we're waiting, waiting, waiting still outside in the freezing cold. At one point, Enki reached out to me asking me to take him and hold him. So I reached out to take him out of Daria's baby carrier and Anatoly grabbed my arm. He grabbed my arm and started yelling, no, no, no. Enki starts screaming and crying. Um, and a taxi finally comes. I got in expecting Daria to get in as well. I got in one side and then he grabbed her suitcase, pretty much prevented her from getting in, pulled her around to the back told the other guy to hold the door so I couldn't get out. They gave him money, and I should have gotten out, but I was so tired and cold and ready to give up at that point. I rode in, and the cab driver, as we were riding back into town, asked me, I'm American. You know, I explained that. He asked me that first, and he was like, what's going on? I was like, that's my wife and kid, and it's time to go back to the States, and that's her dad, and he doesn't want to accept that. And he was, the cab driver was just like, oh, no, I get it. But he held me in there. <clears throat> And I thought that that was a big loss because I could have actually talked to her before we went into the custody office. I later found out she went into the office that day and started talking to the custody people. As far as things with homes, it's not that we hadn't had any communication back and forth since we left the States. It was more that it was sporadic it never went anywhere and that remained true in December when I sent a video of Enki on December 11th 
And he asked some vague questions. How are you? Um, I said, I'm getting the full Russia experience. And he said, I bet. How's your Russian language? He didn't seem to acknowledge the fact that this was a reference to the fact that her parents were seriously fucking with us. Um, <clears throat> then he finally asked, are things with Daria and in-laws in an okay place now or still in flux? I said, Nyet. I wrote it in Cyrillic, so then I had to kind of explain what it meant. Sorry to hear that. Search for peace, man. Kids grow up fast, and everything changes fast. Everything will be okay. And I personally don't remember enjoying reading that message, and I didn't feel comforted. But I said, I'll tell you more about it. I've got to go teach English to a beautiful 17-year-old Russian ballerina. Then he continued, he'll be 10 before you know it, and at that point, it's just about the relationship. Was Raskolnikov an English teacher? I forget. Also, oh, dumb joke, but a teacher he was? <coughs> I replied, I think he'd just gotten out of college. I bet, all those books. Okay, deaf gotta go. Good night and good lessons. I mean that stuff about peace, man. There's lots of awesome ways to be a dad. The terror of losing control is the hardest part. But when are we in control, you know? Seen a bunch of guys go through it, and we went through it for a bit too, though we won because we were on the mama side of things. But before we won, it was hell. And he's alright now, and Martina and he are alright. This was talk about Holmes's own family, or what was his family. His wife left Brazil with him, with her daughter. Basically, from my perspective as I see it now, parental alienation, there was some legal battle that I never got the full perspective on. And, and only recently did I meet Martina's father, actually. He was at our going away party. In any case, I just tried to keep it neutral. I said, I'm willing to see all perspectives. And he replied, that's good. Talk to old dudes. They know. And again, I just tried to keep it neutral. Well, anyway, I'll tell you more about it. You've got a beautiful son, and he's amazing. Yes. So after that, I didn't really hear anything significant more from him. Obviously, he had some idea of what was going on, I guess. And it seemed to be, well, it must have been conveyed to him through Tiffany's perspective on it. This whole idea about being peaceful seemed extremely... What would be not peaceful about it? Or what could truly be peaceful about it? It just didn't add up. What, what this euphemism... It seemed like there was something that I really wasn't getting... And if that was back on the 11th, I sent a couple of kind of random pictures on the 13th and didn't hear back anything. December 22nd, I sent I sent the ultrasound images uh, of Daria's pregnancy to Holmes because he didn't mention anything about the the fact that there wasn't this wasn't just about Enki. This is obviously a long time after the ultrasound. This was about the new new child, new daughter as well. And he just said, whoa, that's awesome, I'm headed to a Christmas party. And I said, yes, thanks, that's awesome. What's not awesome is that that video is from November 30th, and I have not had a moment of playtime with Enki since December 2nd, or a single conversation with Daria. And at this point he called me, uh, I didn't pick up, 
and I said, I'm working on it, let's talk more about it soon. Tiffany has a lot of opinions about it. And now the reactions seem to be getting a little bit more personalized from him. He said, geez, well I called in case you want to talk about it. My best advice is, go sober for yourself and your kids. Be as sincerely nice as possible to Daria and your in-laws. You're in it for the long haul because of your kids, so embrace it. And get a good lawyer who is honest with you and understands you. On the last one, you have to shop around and beware of ones who promise the world or encourage going to war because probably they're just in it to bleed you. Go for the realists who seem to understand your position and her power and niceness can fit together. Didn't seem really any more informed on anything about what was really going on here. I said, okay, not a problem. I haven't had a drink for six weeks. That was, I guess, the personalized part. I was going to hear more about this from home. In-laws are intense, he said, but focus on them and be sincere and emotionally open. That's awesome. I said, it's fine. He said, if you fucking hate them, try to get over it and they'll move. In-laws. I said, I go to church every day. Really? No way. My battery is going to die soon in case I go silent, BTW. I said, Tiffany is a contact person with Daria. Tiffany can be hard in these situations, he said. (laughs) I said, Tiffany is isolated on Daria's viewpoint. She needs to open up. But also, he said, Tiffany is very wise. I said, what Daria is doing is not in Daria's best interests, period. I invite you to consider that these are not just problem in-laws. They are psychological abusers. They physically threaten Daria, and they are breaking the law. Whoa, that makes sense. (laughs) It's very strange given, you know, what his attitude actually is when he's thinking. It was, this was clearly one of those, like, fake affirmations to kind of pretend you're listening. You get the feeling that somebody has said something that's really, that they really wanted to assert, and you just want to get it out of the way and not really listen to it. I said, Daria is severely traumatized. Daria wasn't in Russia for a reason, I'd assumed. Hmm. I said, that's what we've learned. At this point, I kind of thought maybe he was coming over to be a little sympathetic. And, you know, my hope here was to get him to say the right thing to Tiffany so that maybe we could have her again um, talking to Daria and, and helping. Daria wasn't in Russia for a reason, I'd assumed, he said. Hmm. He'd assumed that. He's... He says now he'd assumed that, Um, and I said, that's what we've learned. He replied with some personalization to himself, um, well, my mother-in-law tried to claw my eye out in Brazil, and now we're really close. I said, yeah, I've remembered that story a few times. He asked, is Enki the first grandkid? I said, yes. Yikes, he generalized. Grandparents get psycho for the first grandkid. I said, they were psycho before this. And he replied with a joke, pray for Daria's sister to get pregnant. I said, Daria's sister's husband has been in jail in Egypt for murder for 10 years. He was trying to say, some of this shit wears off. I believe you. I'm just saying it's bad. Some of this shit wears off. Wow, I heard that. No grandkids. Fuck. And then he said, just try to relax. I'd plan a trip back to the U.S. at some point too. Or like, to Japan or something. Just touch back down in your reality and feel safe and assess. He said, process will be slow. And don't get attached to it going perfectly or as planned. But usually it runs its course. Do your lawyers say your situation is normal and handleable? I told him all lawyers say it would be difficult to get custody or even visitation in this case as a divorce, but this is not a divorce case, I said. She never filed for separation. I had to go to the guardianship authority, even though they threatened to go to court repeatedly. And at that point, his phone died. I sent him a few things about Stockholm Syndrome, uh, which he never really responded to. Later, he said, just seeing this now, 
And he replied to the message, all lawyers say it would be difficult to get custody or even visitation in this case as a divorce. This seems like the key thing. Want to unpack that? She can file for a divorce whenever she wants to, no? I said, basically, yeah, she hasn't. And then he said, but if you press and she does, what happens? I told him we have a meeting at the custody office tomorrow at 9 a.m., right? This was in the middle of the night that he finally got back to me before the 9 a.m. custody office meeting. And he went on. I mean, if she is advised to file for a divorce and she does, what happens? Or what's most likely to happen? I said, then we would go to court and they need to set up an interim custody arrangement. He said, I remember reading that the standard deal in Russia for dads is every other weekend or something. That's what the lawyers told me. So that is probably what will happen, unless she wants to share more. I said, in her official statements, she says she wants to share. That's good he said with exclamation point. I said, it's hard to read her handwriting. Daria had sent me a scan of this official statement they'd asked her to write up. It didn't make a lot of sense from what I could tell, but I couldn't really read it all because I can't read Russian handwriting. And she wouldn't give it to me in any other form and I couldn't get anybody to read it to me. Uh, so Holmes said, I mean, she probably wants your support and collaboration. Full-time momming is hard, especially with crazy parents. Also though, even if she doesn't want or need that, in seven or eight years, Enki will have an idea about what he wants. I said, she knows she can't stay there. I'm trying to tell her that her best option is to come here in advance of the meeting. I said, it's an abusive, dysfunctional household and the custody office is going to see that. You sure? Bar might be high for dysfunctional. Also, they might not trust you as a foreigner. I said, it may be. <coughs> and then he tried to cut the conversation off. He said, well, I hope it goes well tomorrow. Remember that these things are usually slow, and they usually privilege whatever the status quo is. He said, I have them on audio lying to the police and obstructing justice on multiple occasions. He said, I'd focus on the relational side of this. Don't be a stickler. Sticklers lose. Well, maybe that was true in some cases. It was frustrating though. I felt like I wasn't being listened to again and just like with Tiffany I felt like there was obviously an agenda here. A lot of beliefs and opinions about what was supposed to happen here and a lot of attempts to pretty much shut me up. So I kept talking. I said, okay, the bottom line is you can't effectively share custody when you live in a home where you receive severe emotional and even physical abuse for sharing custody. I'm not trying to take the kid. Daria is not trying to divorce me. The logical thing is just for her to come back to the US now. But her parents have been literally physically preventing her from doing that. And I said, BTW, in literally any other country on earth, I could have gotten a custody order in the US brought it to the police and taken Enki from their house seven weeks ago. It could be counted as an abduction. At that point, he sent me some audio message. Um, you could still do that, um, if you wanted to, because, you know, you, yeah, I'm not sure. It's kind of a harsh move, but what, because if, was it an abduction if you all went there, like, just kind of move there consensually that's the thing i wasn't sure about but yeah i looked into those rules too but yeah it sounds like russia doesn't really but actually no russia i think signed on to to sign on to the treaty now right um i don't know have you talked to a lawyer in the u.s about that and you know he seems a little bit nervous there i think that maybe this was um, one of those moments where he was really trying to steer things away from any discussion of the role that he had, um, along with Tiffany back in the U.S., in terms of helping Daria contrive a certain plan to go back with her parents, in terms of, you know, giving Daria the $500 of material support that he 
um, gathered to help her get here so that she could do this. But he started giving some speculation about what, what would go on in the U.S. after I said, I'm not trying to signal here that I want to take the kid away, and I don't want to take the kid away. But in the U.S. at this point, I could expect to have custody temporarily. Social services could mandate counseling for Daria and marital mediation. He said, well... In the U.S., they'd be very fair, and she would probably get Anki most of the time if she wanted to. And you'd have to give her a lot of money, but it would create more structure. You'd get maybe more time. I don't think making her go through the process in the U.S. means taking Anki away. But anyway, you can do this legal stuff. I was getting frustrated by now. And he kept saying it was important to focus on the relational side of it. But I kept saying she's agreed that it is in her best interests to leave her parents house right now and come here and, and set up to come to the united states but she refuses to do it because of emotional reprisal and because there is an unspoken threat that they will physically try and stop her they're both at least 250 pounds she's being forced to report to them on any interaction that she and i have and she's not permitted private phone conversations in the house, so there has not been a single real conversation between us in three weeks. And then he said yikes, but then went on to blow this off. Well, she's escaped before, and will again if she really wants to. Also, you sound like you're in battle mode now. It totally makes sense that you are, but also, it might be good to try to relax and get more into patient mode. Unless they think, uh... Unless you think they'll kill Daria or Enki, time is your friend. Sorry to say that, but it's worth saying or considering. And also worth knowing if you think that's off the table. I told him I haven't made a single confrontational accusation to Daria for weeks. But the facts are what they are. He said, it might take months. I said, it's already been months. <laughs> because, of course, I hadn't even talked to Holmes about this until two months after the first abductions really started. And then he tried to neutralize what he was saying. Also, I'm not really arguing with you, just trying to transfer what I've learned from similar but different experiences based on what I know is an imperfect understanding of what's happening. Anyway, let me know what parts you want to talk about. I said Daria's best interests. She has no doctor or friends here. Her parents are hurting her. They're forcing her to break the law in order to commit abusive parental alienation. There's no psych support here, and she could lose her U.S. green card if she has the baby here. She's getting more pregnant every day. Anyway, I thought I needed more people to impress upon her these simple facts. You mean you want me to talk to her? He said. I said, I think I pressured Tiffany into trying, and she bailed out. If you could just be standing by for us, that would be cool. I reached out to the woman who witnessed our wedding already. This was this woman who was in Vegas when we got married, and who had been pretty nice and understanding when I talked to her. He said, okay, sure. And then he responded specifically to my comment she has no doctor or friends here her parents are hurting her and he said i don't want to nitpick or undermine what you're saying but there are some red flags here for me in your perspective or at least one which is rigidity or technicality instead of holism we don't have to talk about it but i just want you to know that it makes my antennas tingle i said what do you think that holism would mean in this situation i don't know exclamation point just the phrasing seemed to sound rigid what time is it there I said, I'd like to go into the whole narrative, but it would take an hour. He said, one thing I'm sure you thought about is she's with her crazy parents because you were freaking her out. Happy to talk on voice sometime. Also, when I say that, I mean that as an answer to the holism question. Now that the accusations were starting to come from the other side. Okay, I was freaking her out. Okay, now here's some honesty. <clears throat> For seven weeks, I've tried to listen, I said, and make compromises. This didn't begin yesterday. 
Then Holmes came in with the Tiffany-type expression, but it might take her some time to believe that things will change. I had to repeat just because I realized at this point that, and, and he had basically acknowledged that his perspective and the side that he wanted to be on was at stake here. And at first he was trying to hide that with this kind of like neutral advice. But at this point, this is where it became clear that he didn't want to listen to a lot of the things that I was saying because he had um, basically already thrown in his chips with the we're getting divorced, she's going back with her parents, that's the way things should go type of mentality. And I mentioned they've lied. They've lied to the police. And he said, I lied to the police. Holism would be like, of course they lied to the police. Not when you called them, I said. They called the police and lied. He said, well, okay, but I know people who do that. I said multiple times. He said, what are you going to do? Like, they feel like they're sticking up for themselves and their daughter and being savvy. Don't get caught up on it. I said, we're going to talk to the custody officer tomorrow. He said, that's good. I hope it goes well. Have you talked to a Hague Convention lawyer person in the U.S.? If they can gain advantage, they will. I said, U.S. lawyers didn't get back to me. And I said, if you heard her father scream, call the police in Russian 40 times while you sat there calmly trying to play with your toddler, this is a personality disorder issue. There has been nothing strategic about what they're doing. No end game, no negotiations. It's just a desperate grab for control and power over Daria and Enki on their part over and over. I'm sorry if that sounds bleak or harsh or non-empathetic, but I'm telling you the truth. This is not how I try to talk to Daria, obviously. Then Holmes continues, that could all be true and sounds right, but why is it working? On Daria, I mean. From their point of view, their daughter came back to them from the lovely United States after a decade away because something was not going right and she needed their help. I said, what? He said, so they feel like they're being asked to intervene implicitly, no? I said, we came to visit so that they could meet their grandson, period. We did not come here so that they could help divorce us in Russia. Or maybe you need to share your different opinion on this. I said, I'm sure they have a dozen different narratives available to rationalize their actions depending on their feelings. And helping and protecting and supporting is probably a theme in a lot of those. <coughs> I said their actions are actually being motivated, though, by a narrative of Daria has to stay here no matter what. It's not up to her. This is our family and we decide. He said, I guess those second kind are very normal, too, when parents feel there is unsettledness or something not right happening. Again, referencing whatever this was, the rationality for why he advised, helped, and pressured Daria along with Tiffany to come here and try to get Enki in a place where they could take him. And tried, he tried to explain further. People who live in traumatic Wild West situations react very intensely to the perception that things are not calm and happy in their family because they've learned that not calm and happy is one step from really fucking bad. That's my take on my mother-in-law anyway. So they go nuclear right away. Then he entered a reply directly to my statement that we did not come here to Russia so that they could help divorce us. He said, to be super direct about this, I got the impression that Daria was really unsure about whether she could stay in a relationship with you and was going to Russia to get on her home turf and have more power and options. If I got this impression, I bet Daria's parents did too. I know what you were doing in the U.S. was really hard in a lot of ways for both of you. Balancing work and relationship and living in a small space with your parents, her in-laws, and with friends up in your shit sometimes too. And you were figuring out the drinking, working, parenting, relationship, boredom trap, which is totally a thing for a lot of people. So I'm not judging when I say this, but I think Daria felt like you were volatile as a partner and would get really dark or angry sometimes. And then you'd get over it, but it would take her more time to heal than it would for you. Talking to her, I got the impression that it was really similar to me and G's relationship, except with gender reversed. 
So when I say holistic versus stickler, I'm saying the your or their narrative piece of this is less important than just seeing all the narratives or perceptions and which ones are likely dominant for each person, not necessarily fighting about which is right. Ultimately, you just need to understand her and vice versa, and maybe to get there, you need to understand the in-laws and vice versa. You want to get things to the point where they're like, okay, this guy is a motherfucker, but he's our daughter's motherfucker. Standing up to them sometimes and then apologizing and showing extreme filial piety, sincere love and deference is maybe a good combo. Also, just developing your own power as a person there through work, life, not drinking, language, etc., developing it here for that matter. Supporting her materially is probably also something they respond to if done with love. And at this point I just said, well, I'm really glad you tried to get both sides of the story before we left. His response was, psh. And I said, and it's great that you're listening to the circumstances and actions of her parents, and not just projecting your own personal experiences onto what's going on here, which has literally nothing to do with your own personal experiences. Not right now. Okay, I have to go meet with the custody office tomorrow. I tried to end the conversation. At that point, I would say this text conversation at about 3 a.m. in the morning was just kind of spinning wheels. Holmes was just oscillating back and forth between this attempt to convince me that he was helping me, and on the other hand, this justification or this attempt to double down on accusations for why I deserved what was going on and why this was the right thing. And then on the more extreme oscillation to the helpful side, you know, there was occasional hyperbolic, oh, I'll come over there and basically help you kill her parents. This crazy almost offer of a sense of like omnipotent help, which didn't reach an emotional acknowledgement of how angry I was, you know, and that that was what, what it started with, this whole idea of like be peaceful be peaceful yeah i'd had a lot of angry violent thoughts i hadn't acted on them and there was no path to act on them there was no way to uh, go vigilante on this but of course actually what holmes and tiffany had done was to go vigilante i thought of them later as sort of these vigilante social workers who gave a lot of advice gave money to daria holmes gave the 500 dollars Tiffany basically created the whole editing the movie scheme as a way to funnel money to Daria. So I started to feel way more suspicious about their role in me getting to the point where I was at. This was episode four of Russia Lost. 